Well, good morning, and uh, again, welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. Glad you are here with us uh, to, to worship together. Um, and if you're a guest, again, glad you're here. Glad you could uh, be with us. And please stop by at the foyer there at the, in the entryway, and we have a gift for you and, um, to, to enjoy. Glad, uh, glad you are here. You know, most of you probably know I grew up on a farm in Nebraska. We had cattle, we had pigs, we had chickens, and so I identified with the story uh, that has a story about a cow and a pig and a chicken that um, lived on a farm that had a very benevolent farmer. They, he was very kind, and the cow and the pig and the chicken were talking one day and said, you know, this guy is very kind to us. We need to do something for him to show our appreciation. And they thought and thought, and the chicken said, you know what, I, I've got the idea. And the cow and the pig said, what, what is it? Well, we know that the farmer likes a good breakfast, and he needs a good breakfast. He gets up early, gets to work. In fact, sometimes he just doesn't have time for a good breakfast. Let's get him, make him a good breakfast. And the cow and the pig said, you know, that sounds like a very reasonable idea. And so sure enough, the chicken said, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll provide the eggs. And the cow said, I'll provide the, the fresh milk. And the pig said, I'll put in some bacon and hay. Wait a minute, he said. You guys are making a small contribution. I'm giving total commitment to this thing. Total commitment. You know, we're familiar probably with the verse in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that reminds us, therefore I urge you, brothers, or brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. A total and complete commitment. Present the entirety of who you are. Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. A living and holy sacrifice. Now, that theme is actually talked about earlier in Romans chapter um, 6. So take your Bibles, Romans chapter 6. If you're watching online, uh, glad you're joining with us. Uh, open your Bibles. If you're down there in F3, same thing. Uh, grab your Bibles, Romans chapter 6, and verse 12 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. See the tie-in with Romans 12? Present your bodies. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body, in your dying body, so that you obey its lust. Verse 13, And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Now we've been studying this section of uh, the book of Romans. We're studying through the book of Romans. We started at the beginning of this year. And we're in Romans chapter 6. And I reminded us uh, the last couple of weeks that there are two groups of people. There, there are two spiritual spheres in which everyone in this world will find themselves in. One of these two spheres. Everyone in this room is in one of these two spiritual categories. There is the, the lost and the saved. Spiritually lost, spiritually saved. According to 1 Corinthians 2, there are the what he calls the natural man and there is the spiritual man. That's 1 Corinthians 2 terminology. 
And as we've seen in Romans chapter 5, there is the in Adam circle sphere and the in Christ sphere. People are either identified with the old Adam, that is the, the spiritually dead, the spiritually lost, the people apart from God, or the in Christ sphere, the people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. People who have found themselves in a situation where they are now spiritually alive. The lost or the saved, the natural man or the spiritual man, those in Adam or those in Christ. Um, and of course, the, the difference or the, the way a person gets from that lost or natural or in Adam sphere to the saved, to the spiritual, to the in Christ sphere, it's totally apart from anything we do. It's a, it's a free gift of God. Not by, Titus says, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but by His mercy that transaction takes place where we're moved from one sphere to another. But there's only those two. There's no in-between ground. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then you are spiritually alive. You are in the in Christ circle, in that sphere of the, the spiritual-minded. And I want to dig a little deeper, zero in a little bit more on that, that, um, that sphere, that, that the inner realities of a believer. And there's four things I want to mention. And by the way, if you have uh, um, uh, the FBC app and there's sermon notes, you can go there and you, you can see these things uh, outlined uh, on the sermon app. Here it is, reality number one. Because of the new birth, because of who we are in Christ, the believer's spirit is now spiritually alive. The inner you, that which defines who you are as a spirit being. Our old self, what we were in Adam, is gone. Something radically took place. Uh, a, a total transformation, a total spiritual makeover happened at the moment of faith in Christ. We were made spiritually alive. You see, that person who is lost, who is that natural person, that person in Adam, can do nothing but sin. They're in that realm of sin. They can do nothing but sin. It doesn't mean that they don't do nice things. But the Bible says everything that comes from that spiritual dead inner person is tainted with sin. But now that a, a person, a believer in Jesus Christ, is made spiritually alive, the inner man is brought to life, we now have the capability not to sin. Not to sin. Because the old self is gone. We are, we are not a, a bifurcated spiritual schizophrenic where we have the old self in us and the new self in us and it's battling the Bible teaches that we are totally new in the inner man. I don't have two natures in me battling. I have one nature inside the inner me, the spiritual me, has been brought to newness of life, regenerated, born again. That's reality number one. Here's reality number two that we have to accept, and that is that our core essential nature is made new, yet sin or evil is still present within us. Sounds like, you know, you speak with forked tongue, preacher, you know. Um, 
there is a principle that there is still sin in me. Now go over one chapter in Romans chapter 7 and verse 21. Romans chapter 7, verse 21, Paul says this, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. Or back to verse 17. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. The book of Galatians, Paul writes, and he calls it the, the flesh. There's something within me, a principle uh, uh, of, of, of sin, of evil that's present within me. The writer to the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 1, says about um, a sin that so easily entangles us. So here's the reality. The inner me, that which is the spiritual part of me, according to the scriptures, is brand new, been raised up to newness of life, but there's still some something about sin. There's still a presence. There's a, a principle of evil that is still within us. Third reality. And that is that every believer in Jesus Christ has the inner reality of the Holy Spirit's presence within us. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says this, You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. And if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't even belong to him. So again, the moment we trusted Christ as our Savior, God's presence dwells within us through the Holy Spirit. That's what makes us radically new. We are born again through the Spirit of God that takes up residence in our life. Paul, um, elsewhere, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19, talks about that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the word that's used for temple there is the very same word that was used to describe the, the inner sanctum of that Old Testament um, temple of God where the glory of God resided. That inner place of holy, of holies, of most holy place. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us. Okay, so we've got this regenerated self, this new me inside, yet there's still a presence of sin that is within me, and yet the, there's the presence of the Holy Spirit within me. That's a nice setup for spiritual conflict. And that's a fourth reality. There is the reality of spiritual warfare. My newly created spirit is in battle with this thing called indwelling sin that is within me, this principle of evil. So back to Romans chapter 7, let me read these verses. I find then this principle of evil present in me, the one who wants to do good. Then he says, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. That's, that's my new resurrected born again me. But I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Now, I, I have been studying the Romans literally for decades. And uh, I still struggle with the, what this all means. But did you see what the text said? Again, there back in, in, in verse um, verse. 
21 through 23, I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is where? In my members. Now remember, sin is very much alive. Sin no longer reigns, but it does remain. I am forever changed in the inner man, but my inner man is still in battle with the presence of sin. It's a warfare that rages. And when the the new regenerated me battles this, this sin that's still present within me, there will always be defeat. I will always struggle. That's what Romans 7 is going to talk about. But when this sinful sin presence, this flesh that is within me, confronts the Holy Spirit, well, it will always be defeated. The Holy Spirit will always win. Over the years, we've talked here at Fellowship Bible Church about the three levels of power. There's God's power, there's Satan's power, there is human power. There, there are three levels of power. And a higher power it will always be victorious over a lower level of power, which means uh, human power has no hope over Satan's power, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the world and the flesh and the devil will never be victorious over God's power through the Holy Spirit. Th- those are principles in God's Word. God's power, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and myself, my human power. So what's the hope? If, if, the, if I try to defeat this sin, this world, flesh, and the devil on my own strength, I'm going to be defeated every time because a lower level of power will never defeat a higher level of power. So what does a lower level of power, what do I need to do? I need to tap in to the highest level of power. That's Romans chapter 8, as we'll get to, the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Now, back to to Romans chapter 6. Paul, uh, in Romans chapter 6, has said, I want to share with you some basic facts. Uh, Verse 3, he said, um, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. Do you not know that you are identified with Christ? That was a sermon a couple weeks ago. Got to know that. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. That old me that I was born with, that old sin nature is, is gone. It's been crucified. When Jesus was crucified, it was as if that old me was there with him. We have to know this so that our body of sin can be rendered inoperative so that we no longer have to be slaves to sin. Verse 9, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. We have to know that death's mastery has ended. It doesn't have to be a part of our life. And then verse 11, we have to logically deduce, we have to consider, verse 11, we have to acknowledge yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We have to logically conclude, reckon, consider that in Jesus Christ, we too are 
dead. We've been separated from that sin power and principle and are alive to God. So Paul, in these early verses of chapter 6 in the book of Romans, is saying, we've got to know some facts. Now, folks, I've said this many times over the years. Christianity is a thinking man's religion. It's a thinking man's religion. We've got to engage our minds to understand biblical truth and principles so that we can live accordingly. Know this, says the Apostle Paul. Know this and then believe it. Accept it to be true. Consider this to be true. Reckon it to be true. So that then we can do it. We can live it out. So based on the facts, Paul is saying, he says, now I want to share with you some of the exhortations. And starting in verse 12, we see our first commands, imperatives. Look at verse 12 and 13. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. Do not go on presenting, verse 13, the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you. You are not under law, but you are under grace. There are three commands there in verse 12 and 13. Three choices that we have to make in order for us to live the life that God is calling us to live. Now, if you're here today and you just want to kind of coast through life and put in kind of a religious duty and come to church and, you know, do the thing and then, you know, go home and kind of live life as normal and go through life and try to make a good income and nice retirement and then die, I mean, then none of this will matter to you. But if you are a born-again believer and you want to live out the life that God has called us to live and experience everything that God has called us and given us to experience, when Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give it to you abundantly, if we really want an experience of life eternal, this side of heaven, then what Paul just wrote, these commands, these choices are crucial. Consider choice one. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Literally, it's your, your dying body. He's setting up a contrast by that very phrase, by the way, with the inner you that is as alive as it will ever be even in heaven. The inner you that has been raised up to newness of life in Christ is eternally alive but it is encased in an earth suit that is dying. It's still impacted by sin. And the choice that we have to make is, in this command, this present tense imperative, do not let sin reign in your dying body. Do not let sin have its dominion. Do not let that principle of sin master you or you will be enslaved to it. Now, I take it, and there's encouragement here, this is a command, and I don't think God is going to give us a command that he doesn't expect us to obey. And we'll get into that more in Romans chapter 8, because again, the presence of the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do that. This is a command, and he's saying you've got to make a choice. 
At the core of your being, you are a new creation in Christ. But don't let sin reign in your mortal dying bodies. My old self, it's crucified, buried, and gone. Sin ain't going to reign no more. Where? In the inner me. But the command here is don't let sin reign in your mortal body. You see the difference? The command, don't let sin reign, it's in that part of me that is susceptible and vulnerable in some way, in some form or fashion to, to the lusts. He says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey, get lured into its desires, its lusts. Sin takes advantage of the powerful desires, the, the, the lusts of our dying bodies, of our mortal bodies. It attempts to persuade us to listen, to be, to be sucked into the allurement of the desires of the body. How does that work? You know, when you're dead tired, you don't get enough sleep. I mean, lately I... I tell people I sleep like a baby. I'm up every two hours. <laughs> and, you know, a lack of sleep sometimes can make you a grouchy person. You can snap at people. And there's some sinful things that show up. Does that happen to you? Don't look at me so piously. Or, or sickness. You, you, this body, you get sick, you're fighting a cold, a head cold, and you've got a fever or whatever, and, uh, and, and you, know, you, don't wanna, you don't have time for God, you don't have time for people, you just, it, it affects us, our physical bodies. But you know, it's even more insidious than that. That image that popped up on the computer screen, all of a sudden, it, there's something titillating. It, it captures us. The sexual needs, lusts, and we're pulled into that. Do not let sin dominate and reign in your dying bodies to obey its lusts. Indwelling sin makes suggestions, temptations, lures us, and our body of sin carries it out. Sin must be dethroned in our mortal bodies. Now the key to dethroning sin in our mortal bodies, are, are we following with, here with this? I can, you know, I, I think it's, it's, to me it's kind of hard to wrap my mind around. There is my inner me that is brand new in Christ living in a body that is still fallen and susceptible to sin. And therefore there is spiritual conflict. So how do we dethrone sin in my mortal body? How do we have victory over this? Here's a second choice that we have to consider. Do not, he says in verse 13, first part of verse 13, do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin. Do not go on, again, it's a present imperative, stop presenting, and the word means to put it at someone's disposal. Uh, present and saying, here, th this is now at your service, at your disposal, yielding, to make available for use. Stop 
presenting the members of your body to sin. Stop placing your body at sin's disposal. Stop making your body susceptible to being enslaved to sin. Now, we won't take the time to turn there, but 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, the Apostle Paul made a comment in that chapter when he said, I buffet my body, remember that verse? And I beat it into subjection. I buffet my body, I beat it into subjection. The Apostle Paul understood this principle. He's writing under divine inspiration. He understood that there is this warfare that is raging within my person and the inner man, it's different than the outer man, and there is a conflict. And we looked at this passage last week, but uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 says this, Consider the members of your earthly body to be dead to immorality and impurity and passion, evil desire and greed, which is idolatry. Paul is saying, look, the real you is encased in an earth suit that is susceptible to sin. And we have to present our bodies, consider the bodies, your bodies, your earthly bodies as dead to that. We have to be separate from that. Stop making the members of your body, he says, as instruments. And the word that Paul uses there is a warfare term. Literally, it's a, you might have that in a footnote in your Bible. Weapons, it's a, it's a warfare terminology. An instrument of unrighteousness, a weapon that it can be engaged in spiritual warfare. The earthly, physical, mortal bodies, are either going to be weapons for sinful purposes or can be used for God's glory. So that's the second choice we have to make. Don't put yourself in a position where the members of your body can be controlled by sin. Here's the third choice that has to be made. But rather, present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. Present the members of your body as those alive from the dead. A definite occurrence. Now, the other verbs were present imperative. Stop this ongoing putting yourself in situations where the members of your body are going to be susceptible to sin and be drawn away by the lusts thereof. This verbal form that Paul uses is what's called an aorist imperative, meaning it's a tense that is a, a point-in-time action. Point-in-time action. Here's how I think this works. Now track with me here. Here's how I think this works. You get up in the morning. We start our day. We become conscious, you know. And we need to realize that as a living, breathing, and eternal soul, as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, I'm in going to be engaged in spiritual warfare today. There are enemies out there, the world, the flesh, and the devil, that are going to try to disrupt my fellowship with God and fellowship with others. That, are, that is going to try to bring defeat into my Christian experience so that instead of experiencing life and life abundance, I'm going to walk around experiencing death. Oh, I'm going to heaven, but... Am I enjoying the trip? And you get up in the morning and all the forces of darkness are arrayed against us so that we are not going to enjoy the trip today. 
We have to think this through. We are thinking people. And so we get up in the morning, we, we understand this. And so we say, okay, Father, I know that the inner me is raised up to newness of life. I have the presence of the Holy Spirit within me. I am a new creation in Christ, and I don't have to sin. It ain't going to rain no more because it's been crucified. It's dead and buried. It's gone. I'm a new person. But God, I also know that as I get up this morning, as I go about my day, I am going to be moving about, and, and I'm in, I, I, have a, I have a body of sin that is susceptible to that second level of power, the world, the flesh, and the devil, arrayed against me in spiritual warfare to take me down, to lure me away. And Father, I know that throughout this day, I, there, I, I'm... I, I'm going to say something. I have the potential to say something that's going to be harmful. To use this, this member of my body called my tongue to be destructive in anger or, or cutting or, or whatever, hurtful. Father, I know that I have eyes, that I, I, can, get, I can get detracted by something sexual and temptation or something else that that will that will lure me away lord i want to present the members of my body as instruments of righteousness as weapons of warfare for you today and then as you go through the day as those things begin to pop up that's where the aorist imperative comes in that moment all right god i Father, in Jesus' name, I present my eyes to you. I present my, my mind, my thoughts to you. You hear that little bit of juicy gossip at the, in the office. Lord, I, I, I don't want to be lured away. I want to honor you through, the, through the, this, this temple of the Holy Spirit that is susceptible to sin. And we go throughout the day with that understanding. When I was growing up, Christian home. My mom was the head of our Sunday school program in a little church in Nebraska. And she taught us this song, and maybe some of you, I'm sure we've sung it maybe before, but you know, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. There's a father up above, and he's. Some of you have been to Sunday school. Oh, be careful, and then oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Or be, or be careful, little ears, what you say. Or, and my mom would go through this whole, I mean, from top of the head to the toes. And it seemed like she was always looking at me when we were singing this. Oh, be careful, little feet, what you go. You know, oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Um, you know, there's probably some good theology in that. Present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. And then first, four, verse 14, Paul gives some very powerful motivation. And it's a verse we're going to unpack in a couple of weeks. But he just says, for... So I'm going to give you an explanation how all this can be, ha be possible. For sin shall not master, be master over you because you are not under law, you are under grace. And what basically Paul is saying there is we do not have to live under law, under, under this self-imposed I've got to grit my teeth. I've got to make this happen today. We are living under a new principle. We are living not 
under law, but we are under grace. And we'll get to that verse in a couple of weeks. Right behavior begins with right thinking. And to apply these things today, I just want to mention three key words. Here's the first one. Know it. Know. If we are not engaging our minds with the Word of God, there will be no hope for spiritual victory. Psalm 119, verse 9, 10, 11, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against ye. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured. I've hid in my heart. What a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You see, we never behave our way into right thinking. We think our way into right behavior. What a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What are you thinking today about God, about how to live the Christian life? You know, again, I think these are such powerful passages in Romans. Chapter 6, 7, 8. And folks, there, there are Christians, and I don't want it to be me or you, but we can go our entire life oblivious to the truth we're just talking about right now. Now, praise God, a free gift of eternal life is given to us the moment of belief, moment we trust Christ. And heaven is assured, not because of things we have done or how we have lived our Christian life, but how we are going to spend eternity, and that's another whole set of sermons, is dependent upon how we are living and understanding these principles and how we live this side of heaven. Because how we live now is going to impact how we live in the age to come. Everybody's cup of joy is going to be full. But not everybody's cup is going to be the same size. You see, these passages of Scripture are given to help us live now. You know, when we die, this mortal body is going to be gone. And that's where the, the sin issues are. It's in this mortal flesh. This mortal must put on immortality. The problem is not with the inner me. That's already been born again. That's what's going on in heaven. We've got to put off this mortal body. And so again, verse 6, what Paul was saying is, knowing that the old man is crucified, it's buried, we are identified with Christ, and knowing that, now we do that so that our body of sin can be neutralized and rendered inoperative so that we no longer have to be enslaved to sin. So that we can live the life that God is calling us to live if it's His people in this world to bring honor and glory to Him. Know it. Second key word is, of course, well, we have to believe it. We have to reckon it to be true. We have to know, we have to reckon it to be true. Consider this to be true. Faith has to be applied. Even so, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. And so it's like the, the man who said to Jesus, as we saw last week, Lord, I believe it, but help me in my unbelief. And be, go before the Lord and say, Lord, 
help me see this in reality, in my everyday existence. I just don't want this to be concepts on a page or in some sermon I heard. I want this to be real. I want to believe this about what's true about me and what's true still about my physical bodies and how that warfare is working. Know it, believe it, and then present, offer, yield. Put yourselves at God's disposal. The conscious choice of saying, take my life, take my, my body, consecrate it to thee. Now there's a caution again here. We can desire to make right choices. We can desire that this body of sin will be neutralized and I won't struggle with that little eyes to see, that little mouth that says stuff. I might desire that and then I put myself under law to try to make it to work. We have to be careful with that. I might desire my, my Nebraska Cornhuskers to play football this year. If you're a Big Ten, you, you might desire your Big Ten team to play football. But you know what? We are totally powerless to make that happen. I might desire that I live honorable to the Lord, but until I tap into the power of the Holy Spirit, that's not going to happen. Romans 8, we'll get there. Our responsibility, though, is to at least present the members of our body and say, Lord, and it's a moment-by-moment -moment basis. Here I am. What does it look like? I walked you through a little bit. It's getting up in the morning and saying, here I am. I offer this to you today, Lord. Then as we go throughout our day, we're constantly offering ourselves to Him. We're being preemptive. We're anticipating, Lord, when I get in that situation, I typically open my mouth and I'd rather be thought a fool than open it and be removing all doubt, but help me to keep my mouth shut. I present that to you. Notice also it says, but present yourselves, last part of verse 13, present yourselves to God alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Our focus has to be on Him. Here I am, Lord. I want to fight this fight of faith. I want to fight this fight of faith. I want to believe what is true about me. I want to present myself to you. Lord Jesus, help me. Lord, this is, I'm a spiritual being living in this spiritual world. I'm a physical being living in this physical world. And I need your ever-present grace. I need you, Lord. Why is it so important? Well, as I mentioned, because God has a wonderful life for us this side of heaven, even in the midst of all the sin and all the sadness and all the sorrow that's going on in this world, he says, I can give you an experience of life. But it's not just about me and what I can experience happily, joyfully in him. Remember what the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15? Prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, 
holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I'll have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. We appear as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. The world is watching. You're a Christian? So you have a relationship with the true God? So um, how's it working? Your marriage is on the rocks? You're estranged from your your kids? Uh, you, you, You were caught doing what? The world is watching, and God has placed us in this world and in this physical body with a heart beating right now so that we will display his glory. 1 Peter 2, 9, 10 says, we are here to proclaim the excellencies of Christ. The world needs to know that this thing called the Christian life really works. It really works. But if the inner me that is regenerated to newness of life is getting pushed aside so that the outer me The members of my body get susceptible to sin and I live in defeat all the time and when I try not to and I I tap into my own reserves and my own power to make this Christian life work and I find myself falling on my face all the time and forget there's a a greater source to tap into. You see, it'll never happen. We are in this world for a very short time and we are called to be lights in the midst of a dark and perverse generation. Boy, are we not seeing that, folks, today? Are we not seeing that? And I'm concerned sometimes with my own life that I'm getting so caught up with what's going on in the news and what's going on with COVID and what's going on with the election and what's going on here and there that it just, it can zap the strength right out of me. It is a ploy of the evil one so that we don't live the way God calls us to live. Oh, it's all written down here. The Christian life really works. He calls us to make the right choices based on the right facts. To present ourselves to him, a holy offering. Let's pray. Our Father, grant us the grace to live the way you want us to live in the power that you've provided so that we will present to you this this offering of praise each and every day, Lord, so that that true inner me that has been raised up to newness of life in Christ, we might experience, we may walk in the newness of life and bring you honor and glory in a world that desperately needs to see that the Christian life really works. For your glory, for your honor, Father, we beg of you. Make this happen. Make it a reality in our life. In Christ's name, amen.